Salzburg Town Walk. Welcome to Salzburg. Salzburg is made for visitors. It's the city of Mozart, castles, gardens, Baroque towers, pleasant cafes, and everywhere you go, the sound of music. Hi, I'm Rick Steves. Thanks for joining me on a walk through Salzburg's Old Town. This pleasant stroll gives a good orientation to the city and introduces you to sites you may want to explore in more detail later. We'll pass through harmonious squares lined with pastel buildings. We'll visit the huge cathedral, famous for its music. We'll see sites associated with famous Salzburgers, like Mozart and the Sound of Music's Von Trapp family. We'll squeeze produce at a lively open-air market and stroll down Main Street with its centuries-old shops. All along the way, there are striking views of the castle-topped hill that borders the town. Allow about an hour for this mile-long walk. Now, get ready. The hills are alive with the sound of my voice as we visit this gracious town with a rich history, Salzburg. How to use this audio guide. As you can see from the display window on your MP3 player, each of Salzburg's greatest sightseeing hits has its own title and track number, much like the songs of a CD or album. You can skip ahead or tailor your itinerary to your own tastes. But navigating through the city on your own can be confusing, and it's easiest to just follow the tour in the order I've laid out. To help you along, I've invited my colleague, Lisa. Welcome, Lisa. Guten Tag, Herr Steves. She'll give directions from one stop to the next. After listening to her directions, you can pause the audio guide, then restart it at the next track when you're ready to see the next site. Be aware that even with the best of directions, sightseeing a busy city can be confusing. Streets can be blocked off and scaffolding may cover buildings under renovation. If you're taking this tour with my Rick Steves Audio Europe app, don't miss its latest features. There are zoomable maps showing the route in each stop. These are viewable while you listen. A 20-second rewind button allows you to catch something you might have missed or hear vital directions a second time. And the speed button makes me talk faster, chipmunk style. You can read the actual script of this tour, and if you'd like more information on the spot, you can download our entire guidebook on this destination with a couple of clicks. Those following this tour on their iPod rather than with my fancier app may find that my guidebook to this place, with its maps, photos, and exhibit titles, can make following this audio tour easier. Be flexible, and don't hesitate to ask a friendly local for help finding your way. Wo ist? That means, where is? Now, let's head into Salzburg. Lisa, get us started. Thanks, Rick. The tour begins. The view from the river. Begin at the Mozartsteg, the pedestrian bridge over the Salzach River. Get your bearings. The river flows west to east. On the north bank is the new town. The south side is the old town, dominated by a castle on a hill. Focus your attention on the old town. Rick? Take in the charming, well-preserved historic core of Salzburg's old town. The skyline bristles with Baroque steeples and green copper domes. Overlooking it all is the castle, called the Hohen Salzburg Fortress. Salzburg is a city of 150,000 people. It's Austria's fourth largest and the regional capital. 
The old town, sitting between the Salzach River and its string of hills, holds nearly all the charm and most of the tourists. Notice all the churches. Salzburg, nicknamed the Rome of the North, is considered the greatest Baroque city north of the Alps. It has 38 Catholic churches, plus two Protestant churches, and a synagogue. The biggest green dome is the cathedral. We'll visit that shortly. Atop the hill is the fortress, which you can tour. Far to the right of the fortress, you'll find the Museum of Modern Art. It looks like a mini castle, but that's actually a water reservoir alongside the modern building. The museum is worth a visit more for the view from its restaurant than for the art. Still further to the right, in the far distance, you may catch a glimpse of a bell tower with a green copper dome. That's the Augustine Church, site of the Augustiner Brauchstubel, the best beer hall in town. The Salzach River thunders under your feet. It's called Salt River, not because it's salty, but because of the precious cargo it once carried. The salt mines of Hallein are just nine miles upstream. In medieval times, barges carried the precious salt from here to the wider world, to the Danube, the Black Sea, and then on to the Mediterranean. As barges passed through here, they had to pay a toll on their salt. The toll was enforced by soldiers of the local castle, or Salzburg. Salzburg grew into an important trade town. It was conveniently located at the crossroads of the east-west river trade and the north-south highway between Italy and northern Europe. It became an independent city in the federation of states called the Holy Roman Empire. Salzburg was governed by a prince-archbishop, with both the political powers of a prince and the religious authority of an archbishop. The pedestrian bridge you're on is named after Salzburg's most famous son, Mozart. As a musical mecca, the city puts on a huge music festival every summer, as well as concerts throughout the year. And, of course, the movie The Sound of Music is based on the life of the real-life Von Trapp family, and many of the scenes are set right here in Salzburg. Before we enter the old town, consider a few things on the north bank. The new town has the Mirabel Palace and Gardens and Mozart's residence, though they're not visible from here. Mozart's residence, now a museum, is where he lived when he was a teenager famous across Europe. One bridge upstream from here find the Stein Hotel. Its terrace cafe on the roof offers some of Salzburg's best views. Just behind the hotel, you'll find a road called Steingasse. It runs parallel to the river one block inland. Steingasse is a tranquil, untouristy place to stroll. At night, you can bar hop from one classy cocktail lounge to the next. Notice that both sides of the river have bike paths. They're flat, pleasant, and very scenic. Now, let's plunge into Salzburg's Old Town. From the bridge, walk one block toward the hill-capping castle into the Old Town. Cross the busy street. Walk past the traffic barriers and take your first right. This leads into a big square, Mozartplatz. Find its centerpiece, the Statue of Mozart. Mozartplatz. All the happy tourists around you probably wouldn't be here if not for the man honored by this statue. Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart was born in Salzburg in 1756 and spent his first 25 years calling Salzburg home. 
By the way, the statue erected in 1842 is considered by locals to be a terrible likeness. Mozart was born just a few blocks from here. We'll see the place later. His father was assistant conductor for Salzburg's ruler, the Prince Archbishop. He raised young Wolfgang to play several instruments. By age six, the child prodigy was performing with his sister for Habsburg royalty. They toured the great cities of Europe, always returning to Salzburg. By age 17, Mozart was working as concertmaster for the Prince Archbishop. For the next six years, he conducted the Archbishop's Orchestra and served as the organist at the cathedral. He composed masses for church services and played the harpsichord for nobles as they dined. He gave music lessons to young duchesses. Dozens of professional musicians and singers were under his baton. He wrote lots of music, including several violin and piano concertos that are commonly played to this day. But Mozart came to disdain Salzburg. The archbishop treated him like a common servant. He got tired of playing church music when his heart was in opera and symphonies. His mother died, and he argued with his dad, who wanted him to keep his day job. Eventually, the town of Salzburg came to be too small-time and conservative for a worldly musician who'd traveled Europe's capitals. In 1777, 25-year-old Mozart traveled with his boss, the archbishop, to meet the emperor in Vienna. Instead of a triumphant reception, the young genius was seated at the servant's table. He was forbidden to play for the emperor. Mozart was humiliated. He demanded that the archbishop release him. The archbishop essentially said, You can't quit. You're fired. Mozart was literally kicked in the hind end on his way out the door. He left Salzburg for good, eventually settling in Vienna, where he enjoyed both fame and respect. The city of Salzburg is much older than Mozart. The Mozart statue actually sits on bits of Roman Salzburg. Established by the Romans 2,000 years ago, it became an important salt-trading city. The first Salzburgers settled right around present-day Mozart plots. In the year 800, Salzburg, now Christian, joined Charlemagne's empire as an independent city. The pink church of St. Michael that overlooks the square dates back to this period. As you look around this square, you can see how far the town's come, its popularity, all the businesses hoping to cash in. Eight million tourists crawl its cobbles each year. And that's a lot of Mozart balls. Walk toward the cathedral and into the big square with the huge fountain. The Residence Plots As Salzburg's governing center, this square has long been ringed with important buildings. The cathedral borders the south side. The former palace of the Prince Archbishop is to the right as you face the cathedral. To the left is the new residence with its bell tower, built for the Prince Archbishop's house guests. In the 1600s, this square got a makeover, Italian style. Salzburg, located on a busy trade route to the south, was well aware of the exciting things going on just over the Alps in Italy. Local artists even Italianized their names in order to raise their rates. The rebuilding started under energetic Prince Archbishop Wolf Dietrich, who ruled from 1587 to 1612. Dietrich had been raised in Rome. He counted the Medici as his cousins and had grand Italian ambitions for Salzburg. Fortunately for him, the cathedral conveniently burned down in 1598. Dietrich set about rebuilding the church and the city as the Rome of the North. 
This square, with the new cathedral and palace, was the centerpiece of his Baroque dream city. The fountain shows Triton, on top, blowing his conch shell horn. It's as Italian as can be, an over-the-top version of Bernini's famous Triton fountain in Rome. Notice that Wolf Dietrich's palace, the old residence, has a skyway. Like so many leaders back then, he wanted an easy commute to the cathedral and a chance to worship while avoiding the public. This square sets the tone for the whole town. From here, a series of interconnecting squares, like you'll see nowhere else, make a grand procession through the old town. Everywhere you go, you'll see similar Baroque Italian architecture. The buildings are made from two dominant kinds of stone, a creamy red marble and a chunky conglomerate. Both are quarried nearby. As you walk from square to square, notice how easily you slip from noisy and commercial to peaceful and reflective. Turn your attention to the new residence along the left side of this square as you face the cathedral. The new residence and Glockenspiel. This former palace, long a government administration building, now houses the central post office. In the days of the Prince Archbishops, this building hosted parties in its lavish rooms. Salzburg's rulers were great patrons of music. By the 1700s, the Prince Archbishops employed a personal orchestra of dozens of highly trained musicians, plus singers and composers. They played religious music in the cathedral and dinner music here for the entertainment of the nobles. Today, the new residence houses two important sites. The Salzburg Museum offers the best peek at this town's history. You see a rich display of ceremonial rooms where the Prince Archbishops entertained. The exhibits focus on Salzburg's quirky absolutist rulers who wore two powerful hats at the same time. They were both important church officials and princes of the Holy Roman Empire, hence the title, Prince Archbishop. You'll also hear about the many musicians, artists, and writers whose creative talents made Salzburg a fairy tale Alpine Arcadia. Also in the new residence, the fascinating Salzburg Panorama 1829 displays a painting of the city, giving a 360-degree look at Salzburg in the year 1829. Amazingly, the old town looked essentially as it does today. Also part of the new residence is the Heimatwerk, a fine shop showing off local handicrafts. The famous Glockenspiel rings atop the new residence. This bell tower has a carillon of 35 17th-century bells cast in Belgium. They chime every morning at 7 and 11, and then again at 6 p.m. They also play little tunes appropriate to the month. The mechanism is a big barrel with adjustable tabs that turn like a giant music box, pulling the right bells in the right rhythm. Notice the ornamental top. An upside-down heart in flames surrounds the solar system. This represents how God loves all of creation. Before moving on, Look back past Mozart's statue to the 4,000-foot-high Geisberg, the forested hill with the television tower. A road leads to the top for a commanding view. Its summit is a favorite destination for local nature lovers and strong bikers. Exit the square by walking under the Prince Archbishop's Skyway. You'll step into the Cathedral Square, or Dome Plots, where you'll find the Salzburg Cathedral. A good place to view the facade is from the far end of the square. Stand back and marvel at the entire facade. 
The Salzburg Cathedral, the exterior. Salzburg's cathedral was one of the first Italian Baroque buildings north of the Alps. The dome stands 230 feet high. Two domed towers flank the entrance. Between them is a false front roof line. The windows are flanked with classical half columns and topped with heavy pediments. The facade is ringed with a Baroque balustrade, decorated with garlands and masks, and studded with statues. The whole look would remind visitors that Salzburg was indeed the Rome of the North. The church, rebuilt under Wolf Dietrich, was consecrated in 1628. Experts differ on what motivated the builders. It may have been to emphasize Salzburg's commitment to the Roman Catholic cause. Europe was bitterly divided between Catholics and Protestants in the midst of the Thirty Years' War. Salzburg's archbishop was the top papal official north of the Alps, but the city managed to steer clear of the war. With its rich salt production, it had enough money to stay out of the conflict and carefully maintain its independence, helping it earn its nickname, the Fortified Island of Peace. The statue of Mary in the square from 1771 is looking away from the church, welcoming visitors. Try looking at the statue while standing in the rear of the square, immediately under the middle arch. From that perspective, you'll see that she's positioned to be crowned by the two angels on the church facade. The cathedral was the center of power for the Prince Archbishop in his religious role as Archbishop. The cathedral square is surrounded by city government buildings for his role as secular prince. Now, start making your way into the church. As you approach the church, pause at the iron gates. The dates on them are milestones in the church's history. In 774, the first church was consecrated. It was built under St. Virgil, an Irish monk who became Salzburg's bishop. His statue stands at the church entrance. The original church burned in 1598, replaced in 1628 by the church you see today. In 1959, a partial reconstruction was completed, made necessary by a World War II bomb that blew through the dome. Go inside. Take some time to let your eyes adjust. Salzburg Cathedral, the interior. The interior is clean and white, without excess decoration. Because it was built in just 14 years, from 1614 to 1628, the church boasts harmonious architecture. And it's big, 330 feet long, 230 feet tall. When Pope John Paul II visited in 1998, some 5,000 people packed the place. Near the entrance, look to the left. In the first chapel on the left is a baptismal font. The dark bronze font is from 1320. It survived the destruction of the previous cathedral. In 1756, little Wolfgang Mozart was baptized here. Over the next 25 years, this would be his home church. Amadeus, by the way, means beloved by God. Now make your way slowly up the central nave. Notice how you're drawn toward the light. There's a grand plan for the art. While the back of the church is fairly dim, the altar area is brightly lit. As you walk, imagine being part of a sacred procession. First, you have to pass through the sorrow of the passion. The nave is dark, and the paintings here depict Christ's arrest and torture. As you approach the altar, things brighten up, with paintings of Old Testament themes that foreshadow Jesus' resurrection. Finally, you reach the altar, with its glorious painting of Christ's resurrection bathed in light from the dome overhead.
The church never had stained glass, just clear windows to let light power the message. Under the dome, you're surrounded by the tombs of ten archbishops from the 17th century. You're also surrounded by four organs. Mozart was the organist here for two years. He was part of a long tradition of music that continues today. Sunday Mass here is a musical spectacle. Imagine all four organs playing and each balcony filled with musicians. Glorious surround sound. Mozart would advise that the acoustics are best in the pews immediately under the dome. The stucco work by an artist from Milano is exceptional. It's molded into elaborate garlands and picture frames, some of it brightly painted. Study the symbolism of the decor. Intellectual, complex, and cohesive. Think of the altar in Baroque terms as the center of a stage, with sun rays serving as spotlights in this dramatic and sacred theater. Exit the cathedral. As you leave, check out the concert and mass schedules. They're posted at the entrance. The Sunday mass at 10 o'clock is famous for its music. As you leave the cathedral, turn left, heading in the direction of the distant fortress on the hill. You'll pass an underground public toilet on your right. Soon you'll reach a spacious square called Capital Plots. Head for the modern sculpture, the Golden Orb. Capital Plots and the Water Wheel The man on the orb is gazing at the fortress. I think he's trying to decide whether to shell out the money for the funicular or just hike up for free. Capital Plots is a pleasant square. Notice the giant chessboard that often draws a crowd. Now walk across the square to the pond. The pond is surrounded by a balustrade and adorned with a Trevi Fountain-like statue of Neptune. It looks fancy, but the pond was built as a horse bath, the 18th century equivalent of a car wash. Notice the gold lettering above Neptune. It reads, Leopold the Prince built me. But the artist added a clever twist. The inscription uses the letters LLDVI and so on, and those are also Roman numerals. Add them up. L is 50, D is 500, and so on. It all adds up to 1732, the year the pond was built. I'll take your word for it. I have enough trouble with what Super Bowl it is. Anyway, moving on, with your back to the cathedral, leave the square, exiting through the right corner. You'll pass through a gate that reads Zoom Peter Skeller to St. Peter's Cemetery. But first, you reach a water wheel. The water wheel is part of a clever canal system that brings water to Salzburg from the foothills of the Alps 10 miles away. Built in the 13th century, the canal is still used today. Climb uphill a few steps to feel the medieval water power. When the stream reached Salzburg, it was divided into five smaller canals for the citizens' use. The rushing water provided fire protection. It powered water wheels, which powered factories. There were more than 100 watermill-powered firms here as late as the 19th century. Every Thursday morning, they used the canals to flush the streets. Hygienic Salzburg never suffered from a plague. It's probably the only town you'll see with no plague monument. For more on the canal system, you might want to visit the nearby Alm River Canal exhibit. You enter it after exiting the funicular on the way down. This particular water wheel once ground grain into flour. Drop into the adjacent fragrant and traditional bakery. They sell various fresh rolls, both sweet and savory, as explained on the wall, for less than a euro. From here, at the base of the funicular, 
Turn your attention to the fortress on the hill. View of Hohen Salzburg Fortress. The funicular climbs up Festungsberg Hill to Europe's largest intact medieval fortress. Hohen Salzburg Fortress was begun in 1077, built on a rock 400 feet above the Salzach River. Over the centuries, the small castle grew into a mighty whitewashed fortress. It was never really used. That's the idea. It was a good investment, so foreboding, nobody attacked the town for nearly a thousand years. The city was never taken by force, but when Napoleon stopped by in the early 1800s, Salzburg wisely surrendered. After a stint as a military barracks, the fortress was opened to the public in the 1860s by Habsburg Emperor Franz Josef. The rail line or funicular actually dates from as far back as the 1500s when animals pulled up cargo along rails. Today's electric powered funicular dates from 1910. Hohen Salzburg remains one of Europe's mightiest castles, dominating Salzburg's skyline and offering incredible views. Again, thanks to its fortress, Salzburg managed to avoid the ravages of war for over 900 years. But during World War II, much of the city was destroyed by Allied bombers, mainly north of the river. Fortunately, the historic old town and its castle survived. Now find the sign that says Catacomben or Catacombs. Step into the cemetery. It's free to enter. Silence is requested. St. Peter's Cemetery. This collection of lovingly tended mini gardens abuts the rock wall of the Monksburg. Walk in about 50 yards to the intersection of lanes at the base of the cliff. Marked by a stone ball. It's seemingly made to order for a little back stretching break. Excuse me just a minute. I think I need a stretch. Oh, yeah.、Ugh. Okay, your turn. I'll wait. You're surrounded by three churches, each founded in the early Middle Ages atop a pagan Celtic holy site. St. Peter's Church is closest to the stone ball. We'll visit that in a minute. Notice the fine Romanesque stonework on the apse of the chapel nearest you. Also, notice the fancy rich guy's Renaissance style tombs decorating its walls. Why are the tombstones in the walls and not in the cemetery like the others? That's because, wealthy as those guys were, they ran out of caring relatives. The graves surrounding you are tended by descendants of the deceased. In Austria, grave sites are rented, not owned. Rent bills are sent out every 10 years. If no one cares enough to make the payment, your tombstone is removed. The cemetery plays a role in the story of the von Trapp family, real life Salzburgers whose adventures were portrayed in the movie The Sound of Music. The ex Navy captain and his large family were well known in Salzburg for their musical talents. But when Nazi Germany annexed Austria in 1938, the von Trapps feared for their future. As portrayed in the movie, they hid here in St. Peter's Cemetery as they made their daring escape. The scene was actually filmed on a Hollywood set inspired by St. Peter's Cemetery. Look up the cliff. Legendary medieval hermit monks are said to have lived in the hillside, but catacombs they're not. For a small fee, you can climb lots of steps to see a few old caves, a chapel, and some fine city views. Let's take a peaceful side trip. 
stroll uphill past the stark Gothic funeral chapel from 1491. Continue to the uphill corner of the cemetery. Then return along the high lane. You'll walk by a series of fine tombs under the arcade. Tomb number 31 is the cathedral architect, forever facing his creation. At the catacomb entry is a chapel carved into the hillside. It's number 54. This has the tomb of Mozart's sister, Nannerl. As children, Mozart and his sister perform together on grand tours of Europe's palaces. Number 54 also has the remains of the composer Joseph Haydn's younger brother, Michael. He was also a composer of great note and was the one who succeeded Mozart as church organist for the Salzburg Cathedral. Continue downhill through the cemetery. Exit the cemetery at the opposite end. Just outside, hook right and drop into St. Peter's Church. St. Peter's Church Just inside, enjoy a carved Romanesque welcome. Over the inner doorway, a fine tympanum shows Jesus on a rainbow flanked by Peter and Paul. Beneath them is a stylized tree of life, and overhead a Latin inscription reading, I am the door to life, and only through me can you find eternal life. Enter the nave. Notice how the once purely Romanesque vaulting has since been iced with a sugary Rococo finish. Salzburg's only Rococo interior feels Bavarian. That's because it is. The fancy stucco work was done by Bavarian artists. Head up the right aisle and find the tomb of St. Rupert. It has a painting showing Salzburg in 1750. One bridge, salt ships sailing the river, angels hoisting barrels of salt to heaven, and St. Rupert praying for his city. Around the year 700, Rupert arrived as a Christian missionary in what was then a largely pagan land. He preached the gospel, reopened the Roman salt mines, and established the city. He named it Salzburg. Continue up the aisle where you'll find pillars with faded bits of 13th century frescoes. Similar frescoes throughout the church now lie hidden under Rococo whitewash. When you're ready, leave the church. As you exit, notice on the left the Stiftskiller St. Peter restaurant, known for its Mozart dinner concert. Charlemagne ate here in 803 A.D., allowing locals to claim that it's the oldest restaurant in Europe. I hope they've updated their menu. Let's continue on. Opposite where you entered the square, look through the arch. Hey, there's St. Rupert. He's waving us into the next square. Okay, let's go there. Once there, you're surrounded by early 20th century Bauhaus-style dorms for the student monks. Notice the modern crucifix from 1926 that's painted on the far wall. This square is also a good place to see two locally quarried stones so prevalent all over town, marble and conglomerate. Head toward the crucifix and walk through the archway underneath it. You'll enter another square with a large theater. The Toscaninihof. The Festival Hall, or Toscaninihof, was built in 1925. Its three theaters seat 5,000 people. Every summer during the Salzburg Music Festival, it's one busy place. The Von Trapp family performed here. In the movie, this is where Captain Von Trapp nervously awaited before walking on stage to sing Edelweiss.
Then the family slipped away to begin their escape from the Nazis. On the left is the entrance to the city's huge 1500 space inside the mountain parking lot. Ahead, behind the Felsenkeller sign, is a tunnel which is generally closed, leading to the actual concert hall. To the right is the backstage of a smaller hall. Here you can sometimes look through the door to see carpenters building stage sets for an upcoming show. The stone stairway leads a few flights up for a panoramic view. The stairs continue up to the top of the cliff and the Stade Alm Café and Youth Hostel. Now start walking downhill. As you enter Max Reinhardt Platz, pause and look left to survey the impressive line of Salzburg Festival concert halls. The festival was started in the 1920s, an austere time after the devastation of World War I. So, rather than building new buildings, they remodeled existing ones. These were the Prince Bishop Stables and the Riding School. Continue straight, passing the big church on your left. You're heading about 100 yards toward Universitätsplatz. Along the way, let Rick point a few things out. As you stroll, you'll pass by popular sausage stands, offering the best of the worst. Salzburg is the happy city of the movie The Sound of Music. It tells the story of a stern captain who needs a governess for his unruly children. He hires Maria and ends up marrying her. Though based on a real family, the movie took plenty of Hollywood liberties. First, Edelweiss is not an old folk tune. It was written for the movie. The Von Trapp house in the film was not their real house. And when they escaped the Nazis, it was not by hiking to Switzerland. They just caught the train to Italy. Also, the movie is strictly an American phenomenon. Locals just don't understand all the fuss. As you pass by a public toilet, you'll enter Universitätsplatz. Universitätsplatz, the market. This square hosts Salzburg's liveliest open-air produce market. It generally runs mornings, Monday through Saturday. The market is at its bustling best early Saturday mornings, when the farmers are in town. Half of Austria's produce is grown organically, and locals are happy to pay more here to get it fresh. Notice the fountain. Like with public marketplaces elsewhere, it's for washing fruit and vegetables. This fountain is still part of a medieval-era water system. The water plummets down a hole and onto the river. Notice the sundial over the water hole. It's accurate, except during daylight savings time, and two-dimensional. It shows both the time, that's obvious, and the date, less obvious. The fancy yellow facade overlooking the square marks the back end of Mozart's birthplace, which we'll see shortly. Continue past the fountain toward the end of the square. We're heading for the big basin at the foot of the cliff face straight ahead. Along the way, you'll pass several characteristic and nicely arcaded medieval tunnels. They're on the right. These tunnels connect the market square to Salzburg's old main street, Getreidegasse. Just for fun, pause your audio guide and weave between this street and Getreidegasse several times following these through houses. When you reach the end of the market square, cross the big road, glancing left at that impressive string of Salzburg festival halls again. Across the street, take a look at the giant horse troughs adjacent to the prince's stables. Paintings show the various breeds and temperaments of horses in the prince's stables. Like Vienna, Salzburg had a passion for the equestrian arts. From here, turn right. 
You'll pass a courtyard on your left that once housed a hospital for the poor and now houses the toy museum and the historic musical instrument museum. Then turn right again, entering a long pedestrian street. Getreidegasse. This street was Old Salzburg's colorful main drag. Getreidegasse has been a center of trade since Roman times. Check out all the old wrought iron signs that advertise what's sold inside. This is the Salzburg of prosperous medieval burghers or businessmen. The buildings date mainly from the 15th century. They're tall and narrow for the age. That's because this neighborhood was prime real estate and there was nowhere to build but up. Space was tight as the town was squeezed between the river and the mountain, and lots of land was set aside for the church. The architecture still looks much as it did in Mozart's day, though many of the buildings themselves are now inhabited by chain outlets. Start walking slowly up the street. Enjoy the traditional signs and try to guess what they sold. Over the course of your walk, you'll see a sign advertising spirits, a bookmaker, a horn indicating a place for the postal coach. A brewery has a star for the name of the beer, Sternbrau. There's a window maker, a key maker, a pastry shop, a tailor, a pretzel maker, a pharmacy, and a hat maker. Is that a hamburger? Yes, mein Fraulein, ye old hamburger shop too. McDonald's is allowed, but required to keep its arches baroque and low-key. Near the end of Getreidegasse, the nod of excited tourists and salesmen hawking goofy gimmicks marks the home of Salzburg's most famous resident. It's Mozart's birthplace, or Geburtshaus. Mozart was born here in 1756. It was in this building that he composed most of his boy genius works. Inside, you'll see paintings, letters, personal items, and dioramas of his operas. A period living room shows what Wolfgang's world likely looked like, and portraits introduce you to the family. A highlight is an old clavichord he supposedly composed on. There's information in English all trying to bring life to the Mozart story. Thanks to its location, this is the most popular and crowded Mozart site in Salzburg. But if you're choosing just one Mozart site, the Mozart residence across the river is more informative. Continue down the street. On the right, at number three, dip into a passage and walk under a whalebone, likely symbolizing the wares of an exotic import shop. Look up at the fine arcaded interior. On the right, at the venerable Schatzkonditorei, you can enjoy your choice of local top-end cakes and pastries, plus coffee, under an elegant vaulted interior. Leaving the pastry shop, go straight ahead through the passage to Sigmund Hoffner Gasse. Before turning right on Sigmund Hofnergasse, look left down the street to see the tower of the old city hall at the end. The blue and white ball halfway up is an 18th century moon clock. It still tells the stage of the moon. Now turn right on Sigmund Hofnergasse. Then take your first left, which leads directly to our last stop, Altermarkt. Altermarkt. The tour ends. This is Salzburg's old marketplace. Here you'll find a sausage stand, the venerable Café Tomaselli, and a fun candy shop at number 7. Next door is a beautifully old-fashioned pharmacy. 
if you're up for more sightseeing, most everything's a short walk from here. You can head up to the Hohen-Salzburg Fortress or visit sites across the river in the new town. There's a pedestrian bridge nearby. As we've seen, Salzburg is a city steeped in history. We've traveled from the town of the Romans to St. Rupert in the medieval salt trade. We've seen the Baroque world of Prince Archbishops with their Italian-flavored residence and cathedral. From the fortress to the river to the beautiful music of Mozart, Salzburg is a pleasure to visit. And you're right in the center of it all. Guterreise. Have a great trip. We hope you enjoyed this tour of Salzburg's Old Town. Thanks to Gene Openshaw, the co-author of this tour. Remember, this tour was excerpted from the Rick Steves Vienna, Salzburg, and Tyrol guidebook. For more details on eating, sleeping, and sightseeing in Salzburg, refer to the most recent edition of that guidebook. For more free audio tours and podcasts, and for information about our guidebooks, TV shows, bus tours, and travel gear, visit our website at ricksteves.com. This tour was produced by Cedar House Audio Productions. Thanks. Auf Wiedersehen. And goodbye for now. <laughs>